Hey, my name is Ryan Smith. I'm the associate pastor here at Crosspoint. And on behalf of our church, I want you to know how excited we are that you are here with us. We are praying that the Lord will draw you to himself and that the spirit would move in you and through you uh, from the message that you are about to hear. While we believe that God can and will speak to you through this teaching, make no mistake about it. Uh, this is not a replacement for having a fellowship with the church, which is the bride of Christ. Hebrews speaks specifically uh, to the importance of not forsaking the gathering. This is very, very crucial in the life and journey of the believer. And so we hope to see you very soon at those gatherings. So we want to together as a church body lift high the name of Jesus. And may the Lord bless the reading and teaching of his word. There we go. Hey, it is good to see y'all. Uh, thank you, team, for... Man, don't we have an incredible worship team? Just kind of give them uh, a hand. And uh, each week they put in so many so many hours learning and, uh, and preparing for to lead us. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to two places. Uh, turn to Matthew chapter 5, uh, put a place marker there, bookmark, uh, whatever you have, uh, and then turn to Colossians chapter 1. So uh, Matthew 5, Colossians 1 uh, is where we'll be this morning. Uh, and as you're flipping there, just way, by way of announcement, uh, next week we're beginning a new series that will walk through uh, the, the, the month of October and to the first week of November. Uh, in church history, can anybody tell me what the month of October kind of commemorates or people in the month of October they'll remember to look back upon? Anybody? Well, that, but not, that's a plug. Thanks, Liza. Uh, past appreciation is October. That's not what I was going for. Uh, it shares the same date as Halloween. October the 31st, 1517 is whenever they, many people remember when the Protestant Reformation uh, began. Uh, and so there, so for the month of October, uh, what we're going to do, we're, going, we're doing a series called Prepositions. Uh, and I'm not, it's not like we're going to second grade. We talked about with a video, can we do like some schoolhouse rocks or something like that? Uh, but anyway, but we're doing a series called Prepositions because in, in, inside the Protestant Reformation, uh, one thing that people say that Martin Luther, who began the Protestant Reformation, did, is that he repositioned prepositions when it comes to salvation. Uh, that uh, before the Protestant Reformation, it was by good works you were saved, uh, and, and things like that. And so really what he it kept kind of be boiled down to is really, really replacing, repositioning prepositions. And the way this series kind of began in my mind is I wanted to do a series just on the doctrine of salvation. And then as we talked through staff meeting, uh, we began talking about save from, save to, the different, those prepositions that are connected to salvation. And then I just one day in my office just wrote down every preposition that I could think about that accompanied salvation, which led me to what some of you may have heard of, some of you may be familiar with the, the teachings, but what we know are known as the five solas. Uh, sola is a, a Latin word that means alone. Uh, so you've heard of things like scripture alone, uh, by grace alone, through faith alone, 
alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. That was kind of the five pillars of the Reformation, if you will. And so uh, what we're going to do the month of October, we're going to take those five solas, the prepositions, you called them, according to Scripture alone, or we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. So each week would be one of those prepositions. So we'll take each one of those for the next five weeks, and we'll break uh, those down and just see the beauty of salvation and then God's great design uh, for next week. Actually, John Stockstill is going to start the series off for us. Uh, so next week we'll begin and he'll be doing according to scripture alone. We'll be looking at scripture and why it's important to believe that the scripture is God's word. And whenever scripture is read, it is as if God is speaking uh, to us. And so be here for that. I'm excited uh, for that. But for this morning, uh, what kind of in-between series, what do we, uh, what are we going to do? Uh, you know, we've done a lot of thinking uh, inward lately. Uh, we've been thinking about, you know, we've been talking about we have a refuge, Psalms of refuge. And as a pastor, I wanted, as your pastor, I wanted to spend some time and kind of encourage you with God's word. I wanted to build, maybe lift your spirits up with God's word. Uh, but for this morning, instead of looking inward, I want to encourage us to look Outward, to not look, uh, to look out and not in. Because the reality is, is that we are prone whenever times of conflicts and times of distress, times like 2020, uh, the season or the year, the century of 2020, whatever you want to call it, what happens is at first we may say we're going to buckle up, we're going to keep going. But as times get tougher, we are naturally prone to begin to protect self, uh, to look at the, the interests of self, to make sure that I'm okay, right? And that's okay to an extent, but at some point it becomes detrimental. Uh, actually, what we're prone to do to protect self and concentrate on self, some researchers who are actually secular researchers say that that, that in itself can be the one of the most destructive things we can do is just focus on me. Uh, because then everything becomes about me. Everything comes about what's happening to me, what's wrong with me. It's all about my mistakes, or it's all about what the, what the, the cards I've been dealt, and things like that. And so what I wanted to do, because really this week, I found myself somewhere, I found myself somewhere that I do not like for me to be. Uh, in my own heart, in my mind, this isn't a geographic location, geographical location, this is like within my own heart and my mind. I found myself at the place that, Really, I just, I've I found that I've become a complainer. I, I, I'm just saying, you know, it's 2020. Who's tired of 2020? And right, and so well, what we find out, what I found myself is a place that like, where's my joy? Where's my gratefulness? Where's my thankfulness? Where's my, 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 my thanksgiving that we, we have a God who still loves and he's, he's sovereign and 2020 hasn't caught him off guard. And what's happened is, is I found myself at the place that everything that, it may not come out of my mouth, but in my mind was just, Justin, you're a complainer. Yeah, woe to you, Justin. And the reality is, is that many of us, we find ourselves there this morning. We're just tired of 2020, and the reality is all we, if we could keep back, keep, keep a record maybe of our social media posts or uh, conversations we've had with people, most of it's probably identified with some type of complaint. Oh, 2020, can it just get over with by now? And so I think I've earned the ability to kind of speak forward to you because the past 10 weeks, I've just been trying to encourage you a little bit. Today, I just kind of want to speak truth for a moment, if that's okay with you. If not, then, oh, well, it's going to happen anyway, because that's where we are. 
And let me get started by saying this way. This, this week, I was convicted by a, a passage of scripture that I, I didn't know if I was gonna teach on it or if it was just for me. I'm actually gonna share it at the end of the sermon. But let me, let me get started this way. One thing that I guess every preacher has their own heart language. Uh, like obviously there's like, like for John, there was things that if we weren't, in, if he weren't inside a series, there's just kind of, he has a certain voice, a certain cry for Justin. There's, if I'm outside of a series, my, my mind naturally goes to a certain place. Any preacher kind of has their own language will. Well, for me, it's this un, always being aware. I wrote the words down, aware, sensitive, and focused when it comes to the kingdoms that are at play. For me, it's always thinking about, hey, this is not my home. I'm a part of another kingdom. Like, like the earth, the United States of America, I'm, I'm a citizen here, citizen here, but my citizenship, citizenship is actually somewhere else. And so I don't think it could be overstated. This, this, when, you, when we're saved, when we become a child of God, this, this kingdom shift, this, this kingdom transfer that happens. And it's something that I mean, we always have to remember. We always have to keep the forefront of our mind, this is not my home. Because if not, what happens is, I'll say this again later on, is that we'll begin to see the coming thing as the passing thing and the passing thing as the coming thing. And we'll begin to see the kingdom that here that's passing away, we'll see it as the one that's coming and the kingdom that's coming, we'll see it as the one passing and all, we'll begin, where's my joy? Well, my, my, my joy is locked into this kingdom that's passing away. Right, you follow me? And so this kingdom mindset, I mean, it, it, it's in our, our vision, our mission as a church to become kingdom catalyst that inside this, this, this world that we live in that we make an influence, if you will. So Colossians chapter one, beginning in verse nine, this is what Paul writes. And he's, record, he's actually telling them his prayer. He says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Check out this words that put together. For all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Here it is. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and he's transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Check out the things that Paul prays for. First of all, he prays that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom. So, when Paul is praying for the church here at Colossae, he's praying, first of all, that they'd be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual understanding. And the reason why, he says that they would walk in a manner worthy and pleasing to him. And that looks like what he prays is that they bear fruit in every good work. And they're increasing in knowledge. The second thing that we see that he prays for is that they would be strengthened with all power according to God's might. And the purpose for that prayer, that they would be strengthened with all power according to his might, is so that so is for all endurance and patience with joy. 
that Paul prayed that the, that the church, that they would be strengthened with God's might so that they would be able to endure with patience or with endurance and, and patience with joy that in this life that they were living in, that they didn't just survive, that they didn't just go, this is what I've been dealt. This is just life has thrown me a curveball, that they could endure it, but not in the picture of enduring like just get it over, but enduring it with patience, with Joy That even in the midst of whatever the life had thrown at them, Paul was praying that as they were walking through life, that they could endure life with joy. And he says the way that this has come about, the way that Paul could pray this, he says that he has delivered us in salvation. This is what happens in redemption, that God takes us out of a domain of darkness and he places us, he transfers us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, child of God, I want to remind you this morning, you didn't feel it when it happened, maybe you didn't see it when it happened, but the moment of salvation, God plucked you out of this world, out of the domain of darkness, and he placed you in the kingdom of Christ. And right now in this morning, you are citizens of that kingdom. Not by anything that you did, not by any of your merit, but by the at work of God. As the song was just saying, you stepped into my Egypt and you drugged me, you pulled me out. That's what we just saying. That God in his grace, in his goodness, he steps into the domain of darkness and in redemption, he transfers us from there and he places us into the kingdom of Christ. So now go to Matthew chapter five. In this idea of this kingdom mindset, now let's read Matthew chapter 5, 1 through 16. It says this, seeing the crowds, he went up. So this is a sermon on the mount. So Jesus went up uh, to the mountain or on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and he taught them saying, so when I'm reading these, these are the Beatitudes, you're familiar with them. Check out the ones that are connected to a present tense and one that's in a future tense one that will come. And so check this. He says, so blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are those who are impure in heart for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter, utter all kinds of evil against you. Uh, sorry, against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. And Luke chapter six actually adds, rejoice in that day for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets, they, those, who, those who were before you. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt lost its, has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Did you notice in verses two, through uh, 11, all of the shalls, the things that have not yet happened, but will happen. Remember this, this kingdom, we've been transferred into the kingdom. Look at verses uh, 
really what we see is that it says, blessed is the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom. So verse three, we have, there is the kingdom. And then, then again, in uh, verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom. That's the only two in the Beatitudes that have a, an actual present tense is there. The other ones say they shall be. Here is the principle number one that I want you to see this morning. We live in and for the kingdom that is and is to come. As a child of God, we live in in and for the kingdom that is and is to come. And this is what you see. We have to remember that. Because if not, we will see the coming kingdom as the passing one and the passing one as the coming one. Here's the the theme, the, the principle for this morning. The promise of future grace empowers us to endure with joy today. Do you notice in the Beatitudes that Jesus says, blessed are those, what does he say? Blessed are those who mourn for they what? They shall be. That one day they shall be comforted. They shall inherit the earth. We, we're, it is about what is what is and is to come. In verses three through 10, this is what it says. For this is the child of God. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then again, in verse 10, it says what? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the promise for every child of God because we've been transferred to the kingdom of Christ is that yours is the kingdom. We live in the kingdom that is and is to come. By virtue of adoption, we believe, we understand now that the kingdom is ours. And listen to me, child of God, because of that reality, because of the kingdom that is ours, there will be a day, according to the Beatitudes, that there will be a day of comfort. No matter where you find yourself, remember kingdom mindset. We have to remember we're a part of another kingdom because of the promise of scripture, because the kingdom is ours, there will be a day that there will be comfort. There will be a day that we will experience our inheritance. There will be a day that we will find satisfaction. There will be a day that mercy will reign. There will be a day that our faith will become sight. There will be a day that we'll have a new body. And there there will be a day that we will receive our reward. For the believer, that has to stay in our mind. Because if not, we will get swallowed up with the things that are going on in this world. We have yesterday's grace, right? And that's where most of us live. This is something that I'm trying to learn right now in my life. When I think about the promises of God, when I think about who I am in Christ, and when I'm trying to gain endurance or gain perseverance, what my mind tends to do is I look back, right? We look back to God's faithfulness. We look back to, to the cross. We, we see the cross finished work. It, it, I am who it says I am. But what if we could look forward as well? What if by looking forward as the child of God that now we could, get, we, could, we could develop the perseverance or endurance? What if looking forward is what produces endurance now? Listen to me, child of God. I want to encourage you this morning. I want to start by encouraging you by saying, listen, there is a future grace to experience. Hey, yeah, you've experienced grace so far by Christ's finished work for you. Hey, listen to me. I want to encourage you. I want to remind you that one day you'll be able to experience it in full. 
That one day the things that we've tasted right now, we will eat the full meal at the table in heaven. One day, whenever there will be a day of comfort, there will be a day of future grace. There's future grace to be experienced. And I believe this, the assurance of future grace is what empowers us to live as salt and light today. I think that's what Jesus was encouraging them with. Hey, listen to me, in this life, you may be beat down, but there will be a day. In this life, you may, you may be, you're, you hunger and thirst for righteousness and you may be ridiculed, but listen to me, one day, you will be satisfied. One day, you may be persecuted, but listen to me, one day, it will all be better. And, then, and I think that's what Jesus was teaching them because it is connected to what? The salt and light. So he encourages them with the one day, but now he says this. Again, in verses 13 through 16, he talks about being the salt and the light. Listen to me. There is coming a day, but that day is not here yet. So what do we do? We look forward to that day. We live with that day in our minds That is our future grace that empowers us to live. But what do we do now? The assurance of that day strengthens us for today. Matthew 5, 13. So he gives them this promise, or he gives these promises. And then he says, all right, now you're the salt of the earth. But if a salt lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, trampled under people's feet. You're the light of the world. And a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light it a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Here, Jesus gives us the chief functions of being a believers in this world. He calls us salt and light. And I'm not going to give you the youth group message about being salt. Again, to think, hey, child of God, did you know that you were created to glorify God? Like this isn't just for Evie, <laughs> Right, this isn't just for a four-year-old. I want to remind you this morning, child of God, you were created to glorify God. Even in 2020, whenever everybody's suffering, when everything sucks, for lack of a better word, you're still created for the glory of God. You and me both. And no matter how bad it is, you were created. Listen, this is just all, all things were created. Listen, you were created again. You were born again specifically for the glory of God. Do you know that? The chief end of man is to know God, love God, enjoy God, glorify God. What does it mean to glorify God? If I were to ask you, what does it mean to glorify God? Listen to me. It does not mean that we make God more glorious. What it means is that we, that we reflect and we display, that we see God's glory, that we, we marinate in God's glory, we enjoy God's glory, then we celebrate God's glory. That's what it means to glorify God is that we see him. A piper says, see, savor, sing, that we, we see it. And when we see it, we just, we chew on it and we savor and we marinate in God's goodness and God's glory and his love and his kindness and all of those things. And from that, from that becomes this celebration, this singing, this kingdom catalyst. That's what we want you to do. We want you to know, love and enjoy Jesus. And from that enjoyment, what happens? You become a kingdom catalyst. And that's what it means to glorify God. So how do we let our, uh, this is connecting everything. How do we let this light shine in 2020? 
This is what I believe. Our assurance of future grace. Because 2020 has been hard on everybody. What is the best way that we're going to be salt and light in this dark backdrop is our assurance of future grace. Look at, look at verse 11. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. So blessed are you when this happens to you. And he says, rejoice and be glad in that day. Do you think that's very salty? Like, do you, could you imagine the, 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 that picture there? Somebody's persecuting this person, yet they're rejoicing. Do you think that could be light and salt to someone else? How can we be, I believe, this is just one point. This isn't all. There's other ways we can be salt and light. But number one is that we have an assurance of future grace. Listen to me, child of God. People need to see you suffer and suffer well with great joy. An assurance of future grace. So that's why Peter writes to be ready to get the reason for the hope within you. And here's the kind of the, the crux of it. How can you and I be confident of a future grace? How can we be confident that one day we shall receive mercy? One day we will have the inheritance. One day we will be comforted. How can we be confident of future grace? You ready? He answers it in verse 16. It's because we have a heavenly father. How can I be confident of future grace? It's because I have a heavenly Father, hey, on this side of the earth, on this side of eternity, I have a dad who owns about 20 acres in Calhoun, but on the other side, I have a father who owns a, the cattle on a thousand hills. You know what I mean? Like on one side of eternity, I have a dad who, who's messed up and he's made messed up at times and he isn't perfect. On this side of eternity, I fell, I, I fell Evie and Emma. Listen to me, I have another father. We have a heavenly father. Look at verse, turn, with you, turn in your Bible, go to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. It's going to come up on the screen if you don't have it. Verse 22, Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. How much more value are you than birds? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory has, was not arrayed like any of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not... Seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, but, and your, what? Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Listen to me, child of God. Do you understand that you have a heavenly father? Scripture calls him the Elohim, which is the strong one, the creator. He's El Shaddai, which means God Almighty. He's Yahweh, the great I am. He's Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Jehovah Nisi, he's my banner. Jehovah Shalom, he's my peace. Elion, he's my sovereign. Adonai, he's my master. David called him the Lord of hosts. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the Father of glory, the mighty one of Israel. He's everlasting God. He's the ancient of days, the one who was and is and is to come. Heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. He's the rock of refuge. He's the God who sees. He's the liver, faithful and true. And he is Abba. Do you know who your father is? How can we have assurance of future grace that empowers us to just continue to go, continue to go with joy because we have a heavenly father. You got to know who your father is. He's got you, child of God. Oh man, if we could get that, who our father is, man, wouldn't we look at life a little differently? Wouldn't we continue a little differently? Wouldn't our, in verse 32, he says, so what, what do we do with this knowledge that God is our father? Number one, he says, fear not. Look at verse 32, fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not. This is a command. This is saying, hey, you choose to fear not. It says, fear not. The second thing we do is we serve others. Look at verse 33. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Here, check this out. Man, this is, this is good. The reality of a heavenly father and the assurance of future grace frees us to love unconditionally. That's how future grace connects to salt and light is because, because I'm confident in my future grace and who my heavenly father is, I can love unconditionally. I can be salt and light to anybody, to everyone. Why? Because there will be a day. That's why. There will be a day. We serve others. And the third thing we do is we seek Jesus. He says, sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure, treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches, no moth destroys, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. What he's teaching us to do, is challenging us to do, is to take inventory of where we're finding our treasure. What do we do? We fear not. We serve others and we seek Jesus. We take inventory, we realign where our heart is. What kingdom we're, we're digging roots in, what kingdom we're saying is us. Where do we take root, we say, where, where am I sticking, where am I sinking roots at? Ephesians 5, 8 and 11 says, you were once, for you were once in darkness, but now you are, the, you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, child of God. Will you fight for light? 
Will you fight for light in your life and the life of people around you? Jesus says, hey, your father's got you. So what do you do? You choose to not fear. You serve others and you seek him. Listen, that's the mission of Crosspoint in scripture right there. And we want to help people what? Come to know, love, and enjoy Jesus. Treasure. And what? Become a kingdom catalyst. Influence. Fear not. Serve others. Seek Jesus. Light must be concentrated and directed to be most effective. So here's kind of where the rubber hits the road. 2020 has affected everyone. Right? If you live anywhere on this globe, you've been affected by the year 2020. We started 2020 off this year with the Who's Your One campaign. And I think I'm tired of thinking inwardly. I want to push you again. Who's your one? Who's the one person in your life who God has called you to be salt and light to? Who's the one person in your life who needs to see your assurance of future grace in a world that is decaying? Who's that person that's in your sphere of influence that that God is calling you to be salt and light to? How can you be salt and light to that person? What if we become people so assured of future grace that allows us to endure with joy right now? And here's the verse that rocked my week. I waited to the very last. You ready? Philippians 2, 14 through 16 says this, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Grumbling is this emotional within, this it's really automatopoeia. It's just a, you, that's exactly what it is. And the word disputing is this argument, this I'm vocalizing my, my frustration. I'm vocalizing what's going on. I'm tired of thing, being things been this way. So he says, do all things without the uh, and the complaining that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst, listen to me, in the midst, in the middle of, in the, in the midst of a crooked and drist, twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life. This word holding fast is different than when Paul usually uses it. Usually when Paul uses the word holding fast, it's literally holding fast. When Paul uses the word holding fast to the word of life, which is the gospel, what he's saying is keep preaching it. Keep sharing it. Keep keep speaking it. He's speaking of speaking, holding it out. He's like this. It's where one is like holding fast. Here, he's saying holding fast like this. It's the imagery that is given. So listen to me, maybe what if we stop complaining so much about 2020 and hold fast to the word of life regardless? What if we stop complaining? I'm just tired of this and I'm tired of this. Listen to me, everybody's tired of it. What if we just say, but there will be a day. There will be a day one day. And we have a heavenly father who is not caught off guard by 2020. Matter of fact, what's not going according to our plan is going exactly according to his plan. We may not know it. We may not see it. But dadgummit, I find comfort in knowing that he knows what's going on. Oh, man, how can we be salt and light in 2020 is have a rock steady confidence in future grace that there will be a day. I want to light your fire a little bit. Hey, listen to me. 
There will be a day, but maybe it's time for us to stop complaining and actually be, hey, I have hope anyway. You could take it all away, but I have hope. You could take it all away, but I know there will be a day. I don't need any of that because there will be a day. And until that day comes, I have a promise of scripture that my heavenly father will meet every need that I will ever have. So, hey, bring it on 2020. Bring it on anything else. Why? Because the future grace. And if you want to, we could talk about what salt actually is. And what, but we see the picture. I don't have to break that down for you. What I have to remind you is that, hey, child of God, Father's got you. Do you know this God? Is he your father? I want to break a, break a, bust your bubble a little bit, maybe. When you're born in this world, he, he's not your father. <clears throat> I grew up, I wasn't in church at all, and I had this friend who would always say, we're brothers and sisters in God. You're my brother in God. And I just thought, okay, we're all brothers and sisters. You've heard that before. Let me teach you something the Bible teaches. That is not true. The way that he becomes my father is by virtue of adoption. When we're born in this world, we're not born into the family of God. We're born enemies of that God. We're born separated and alienated, hostile from the promises of God. But God, who's rich in mercy, says that he's caused us to be born again through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. So that great God who we sinned against, the God who is all those things, for some reason he loves us. Nothing of me, he's just love. And it's more about his glory in redeeming a people for his own glory more mouths to sing his glory but I'm thankful I got to be a part of that thing because what would happen is he sent his son to die for the heathen for the idolater the alcoholic the addict the fornicator which is all of us. Why? Because all of us have a future. And in that future, it's rather going to be grace or it's going to be an absence of grace. On one part, he will say, come to me, and others, he will say, depart. There will be some who experience grace for all of eternity, and there will be some who do not. And here's the beautiful thing about being able to be the one who's experiences grace for all of eternity is that it's a free gift from him. That same God sent his son. He became sin so that you and I can become his, listen to me, his children. 
Colossians says he took the certificate of death that stood against us and he, and he nailed it to the cross. And he has, what did Colossians say? That redemption means we've been, we've been purchased. He, he bought our birthright, if you will. He now becomes our father by virtue of redemption. Have you been redeemed? Have you trusted in the finished work of Christ? That's how we have access to future grace. Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning in with us today. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed the message. We hope that the Lord uh, spoke to you um, and we are grateful for you. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, we hope to see you very, very soon in our church uh, gatherings. Hey, if God spoke to you today and you need to speak to one of our pastors, we would love uh, to have a chance just to meet you and to speak with you. Uh, you can uh, fill out a form. It's actually on our website. You can go to crosspointchurch.org forward slash respond. Fill that out and submit it. It will be uh, sent to us and we'll be in contact with you very soon. And we would love to set up a time to meet with you just about things that might be going on in your life, what the Lord is doing uh, in your life and different things like that. Remember to check out our website. It's got all of the information that you need, our staff information, ways that you can connect, and obviously sermons that you can watch. So thanks again, and we hope you have a blessed day.